You are about to enjoy a presentation recorded at the 2022 Michigan Conference Camp Meeting held at Cedar Lake, Michigan. We pray that the Lord will bless you as you listen. Father in heaven, we are so thankful for this time we have at the Michigan Camp Meeting. We thank you, Lord, that we are able to be here together in person. We thank you that we are privileged to live in such a time in Earth's history, a time certainly filled with uncertainty, but at the same time, Father, we have a certain hope in Jesus, and we want others to have that same hope. So, Lord, as we are uh, discussing how to reach people for your kingdom, I pray your Holy Spirit would guide us in our study this morning. We ask and pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so uh, BibleStudyOffer.com, I'll just give you a brief review of what we talked about yesterday, and I also want to let you know, let me give a brief overview of... Uh, what we talked about yesterday, and even for the week, for yesterday and today, we're kind of laying some groundwork. When we talk about BibleStudyOffer.com, I want you to understand why this is so important. Giving Bible studies, not just by, BibleStudyOffer.com is an outlet for finding interest to give Bible studies. But if church members have no passion for giving Bible studies or don't understand the importance of it, then what's BibleStudyOffer.com? And so that's what we're talking about a little bit yesterday and today. Tomorrow, Pastor Cameron is going to be getting, tomorrow and Thursday, into the nuts and bolts of the redesign and how Bible study, I mean, whether whichever system, if you've never worked in BibleStudyOffer.com, if your church has not been participating in that and you're just starting, or if you have been active with BibleStudyOffer.com, he's going to just walk through how the, the, the whole process of BibleStudyOffer.com works the nuts and bolts of it for the next couple days, that will be the topic. And then Friday, we, we want to talk about how to increase your results with BibleStudyOffer.com. Because we've talked to a lot of churches who have participated with BibleStudyOffer.com, but they've not seen the interest or they've not seen the responses that they wanted to. And some of that had to do with need, the, the re, some of the redesign, things that needed to be put into BibleStudyOffer that weren't yet there. But some of those things have to do with just the process you follow. So Friday, we'll be talking about that as we wrap up our seminar. Now, yesterday, we talked about a Bible study reformation, and we looked at a little bit of the history of giving the question-answer Bible study, which started out at a what? Camp a camp meeting, of all things, which was interesting. And then we talked about the what, what my brother Jim coined as, perhaps somebody else did, but he always talked about the Bible study bottleneck, how when it comes to ministry in the church, we have far more members that are willing to kind of be friendly and hospitable than we do those who are saying, hey, I want to go give Bible studies. You say, hey, we're going to go out, we're going to distribute water as a, bottles of water at the 5K that somebody's doing, and we're just going to show ourselves a presence in the community. Oh, the members love that. We can because there's no self-sacrifice. There's very little self-sacrifice to that compared to having to give somebody studies and tell them, yeah, what you've believed your whole life is wrong. Not that you tell them that way right up front, but it's, you know, you, it, how many of you have given Bible studies? In fact, giving Bible studies, and the first few studies are easy. You talk about, you know, belief in the Bible and some of the more common things. And then you start getting into things like the law, which most Christians are okay with that until you get into that study on the Sabbath. How many of you have given somebody a study on the Sabbath? It's a whole different ballgame than giving somebody a study on the Great Controversy. The Great Controversy is an interesting study. It's like, oh, that's why there's so much evil. It resonates with people. But the Sabbath, especially if they're a Sunday keeper who really sincerely and genuinely loves the Lord, and you're just telling them, yeah, but that has, has been misdirected all these years, 
it's much easier to hand out the bottle of water at the 5K race. You understand what I'm saying? And so we have this bottleneck in our churches where we have all kinds of members that are willing to do some of the more soil preparation work of, you know, making friends and connecting with people, which is an essential work. And we're going to talk about that today. But then when it comes down to giving Bible studies, there's a bottleneck because it's just a handful of members. So we find all these interests in all of our different things that we're doing. But when it comes to saying, OK, now our interests are interested in, giving, in getting Bible studies, we don't often have enough people to, to follow up on those. And one thing I hear regularly, how many Bible study offer coordinators in the room in your churches? OK, when Pastor Cameron talks about setting up your Bible school, a lot of times people say, oh, setting up the BSO Bible school, we're going to order our materials, we're going to have the Bible studies, and we're going to have put them in a certain place in the church, and we're going to have banners and this and that, and that's all good, but if you don't have a team of people that are going to follow up on those interests, you're suddenly going to be in a world of hurt in that situation. Suddenly you've got these interests coming in, it's like, okay, now we've got a bunch of new Bible study interests. Who's going to go? And nobody wants to go. And, and you realize that they, we promised them Bible studies within five to seven days. <laughs> and I got nobody to go out and give Bible studies. So the Bible study bottleneck, we talked about that. And thus the reason we need a Bible study reformation. Ellen White talked about, and I shared with you the quote where she says that pastors need to teach church members that in order for us to grow spiritually, we need to be involved in leading souls into the truth. Now, Friday, I'm going to break down what that looks like uh, in very practical terms. But we made the deduction yesterday that leading souls into the truth is more than just giving a tract. To lead somebody into the truth is going to involve giving Bible studies. And Ellen White talked about the importance of that. And we also sh I also shared a quote from Testimonies 9 where she saw at the end of time, she saw a great, what she called a, a great reformatory movement among the Seventh-day Adventists where hundreds and thousands were going into homes and opening the word of God to people, giving Bible studies. And I, we finished up by saying, I like to think that the faces, some of the faces she saw were those sitting here. Amen. We can do this. We talked a lot about yesterday how this is not our work, it's God's work. And God, we think we worry too much about what we can't do instead of thinking about what God can do if we're willing. We're going to be talking about that today more as we go into our topic, the power of personal ministry, as you see on the screen. Now, what I would like to do is start with a, an almost, dare I say, overused quote of Ellen White when it comes to ministry and probably for good reason. She talks about Christ's method alone. We talked about this a little bit yesterday, but I want to break this down a little bit today. Ministry of Healing, page 143 says, I want to be out of everybody's way so you can see the screen. Christ's method and that word alone, interestingly, did anybody attend any of Dr. Saman's, I don't know, he's just doing the one seminar, Dr. Saman's seminar. Dr. Philip Saman wrote a book and um, Interestingly, for years, the book was out there as Christ's way of Christ's method of reaching people. Isn't that Cameron? Wasn't that the way? It, yes. He now, the original title, he's republished it and it's called Christ's method alone. But apparently, I probably should be telling this, but apparently when it was first published, the publishing house said, I don't know. Alone sounds a little bit too restrictive. Town sounds a little bit too you know, alone, like it's the only way. And so the publisher changed the title. <laughs> wow. 
but inspiration tells us <laughs> Christ's method alone. And I think in our time today, I want it to be clear that there's a reason that this is the only, this is the only way that works. I'm going to tell you that there is nobody who comes into the truth and commits their life to Christ who doesn't follow Christ's method, who doesn't come in through going through this, this method, this process, if you will. Christ's method alone will give true success in reaching the people. The Savior mingled with men as one who desired their good. He showed his what? Sympathy, Sympathy for them, ministered to their needs, and won their confidence. Then he bade them follow me. Now, many times when looking at this particular passage, we, we, we will emphasize that first part because you're looking at the personal ministry of Christ where he, he mingled, he showed sympathy, he ministered to people. He didn't just go out and start quoting scripture to people. He didn't go out and start with Bible studies. He started meeting people's needs. And I've known people who think in ministry they're just going to go out and give tracts and, and, and you know, start preaching to people and giving testimony and that's going to do all the work. Well, there's a place for that, but the better way is to win their confidence first. And so this we see in Christ's method. And oftentimes, again, you see that emphasized. But I, in recent years, I've noticed there, there sometimes becomes a, a the, the help work, the building relationship aspect of things almost supersedes the rest of the statement where he bade them follow me. And I just want you to notice from the passage itself, this little phrase, he won their confidence. When Cameron and I go places, it's always a question as to whether or not we're going to use slide. Because some churches just aren't set up for it. Now, this idea of winning their confidence, I want to work backwards from that. Because I want you to understand that everything up here was for the purpose of winning confidence. Like, gee, there was a strategy here. Why was Jesus trying to win their confidence? What's the next thing that happens? He bade them follow me. Now, who's going to follow a stranger? Like, yeah, I'm going to follow you, right? And so Jesus understood that if I'm going to get this person to commit to me, they're going to have to know that I'm genuinely interested in them. They're going to have to know it's going to be for their best interest to follow me. Now listen, that method is our model. And if we want people to follow Jesus in the truth, we've got to show them that following Jesus does something in the life that they want. Now if my life, and we've heard this in, uh, in uh, Pastor Bradshaw's sermons, my life isn't reflecting what... I want what a person would want to be as a Christian. Why do they want to? He was talking last night about hypocrisy in the home. Mm -hmm. And kids are like, well, I don't want to grow up and be that. Right. And it's so important. So Jesus was modeling Christianity that drew people to have confidence in what he had to say. But make no mistake, he had a strategy. And that strategy was, I want them to follow me. And all of this was for that purpose. And in the same way, when we are seeking to minister to people's needs as a church. We have all kinds of things we do in, in the church itself. Church things like community services centers and, and, and health and temperance type of stuff that we're doing to try to enrich and improve people's lives. And then on an individual level, in fact, I saw this 
I don't know, you know, you, you get on YouTube and you come across stuff. And there's a guy who runs a landscaping company. And I don't know why this fascinates me, but it does. I just like, he goes and he, he, he'll drive through. I mean, it's brilliant. He drives through and he sees this messed up house. You know, this, not the house, but the yard. It's just a mess. Um, the one I saw yesterday is they had a sidewalk in front of the house. They didn't even know it was there because it was covered that. up and overgrown with grass. Okay. So the guy goes up and offers for free to clean up the place. But then he videos it. And you know that you can make a good bit of money on YouTube if you get enough views. And evidently, the, the, the strategy I'm thinking at first, I'm thinking, well, how does he do this and afford all this power equipment? Well, easy. People tune in. They watch that video. Yeah. He gets all his likes. He makes money from that. Yeah. And he gets customers like, I want that guy to come be on my lawn, lawn service. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, why was I going into that? <laughs> Just you, you, you think of the idea of uh, things you can do ministry-wise. And so, I mean, I watched it and I thought, you know, he's doing it for his landscape business. But what if I were to volunteer time to do something like that for somebody? I mean, there's all kinds of things that we can do personally and as a church to show people Christ-like love. But if we're not doing that to ultimately show them Christ, you know, it was your husband that had said, and I quote this all the time, Marianne, her late husband, who used to say, if all we do is these healthy cooking schools and you know, these other things, but we never tell people about Jesus. All we've done is made a bunch of healthy, well-adjusted people for the lake of fire one day. <laughs> right? Like they're going to the lake of fire. If they don't have Jesus, it doesn't matter how much we help them in this life. And so there's no way Jesus would have ministered to somebody but said, yeah, there's other stuff I want to tell you about my father, but I'm not going to do it. You know, yeah. I mean, that was the goal. He understood the value of the truth. And we need to understand the value the same way. So obviously, maybe not so obviously, this statement outlines a process that Jesus followed in his own personal ministry. And it's the model of the process that we need to follow as we minister to people. And we see that his goal was to win the confidence of people by meeting their needs so that they had confidence when he said, follow me. They said, hey, this guy is worth following. Now, I mentioned that we, we, we have this, this growing trend where we, there's, a, there's a trend in the church to compartmentalize soul winning. It's like, well, you know, I'm more of a hospitality kind of person. I'm more of a minister to needs person. I'm not really an upfront, front of this, you know, give Bible studies kind of person. And we think, that's not my gift. We hear that kind of thing. Yes. And so it's like, that's these people. And so we want to say that there's the specialists over here that are ministering to people's needs. But giving Bible studies is not for me. That's for you. And this is why, as personal ministries leaders, as Bible study offer coordinators, we have such a problem getting people involved because they've been, there are people in our church convinced that they are being perfectly legitimate in saying, I'm not interested in giving Bible studies. That's not my gift. Not realizing that the Lord has called them to give Bible studies, by and large. That would unsettle somebody, but we have created a culture in our church where you can be a perfectly strong, upstanding, faithful Seventh-day Adventist who never shares the message with anybody. Mm -hmm. 
because that's not my gift, that's somebody else's gift. And so we split it up and we compartmentalize. We're going to find, as we look at this, this today, you can't do that in personal ministry. Let me give you an example. Even Now, I want to talk today, when I'm talking about personal ministry today, I'm talking about a a more of a long-term work that we do in our circle of influence. In other words, nobody lives by the people they live by by accident. Now, the, the secular world might believe that. Let them believe it. But as a Christian, there's no accident. God directs and guides where we live, where we work, who we work with, who we come in contact with. And we need to be aware of that. There's all kinds of avenues to reach people. When, but in training and doing a lot of training, you know, we, we're running, when we ran our, you know, Emmanuel Institute has been working with the conference for, since 2009. And now primarily what we do is, and I'll talk about this a little bit more, we do sh- a sh- short training session twice a year for members of the conference. I mean, we got people who come in from outside and that's fine. But when we had started out, we did a four-month training program that was primarily training people into Bible work. And part of that, we always ran a field school. So what I mean by a field school is we would take them out, get the, we'd train them and start taking them out to knock on doors and find interests. Instead of BibleStudyOffer.com, instead of mailings, you know, the easiest way to find interest is go out and knock on doors. How many of you have done door knocking before? Let me back up. That's not the easiest way to find interest. The easiest way to find interest is in your circle of influence. <laughs> and so this is the thing. I have church members like, oh, I don't like knocking on doors. Guess what? You never have to knock on a door in your life, potentially. If you just work the interests in your circle of influence, the people you work with, the people you come across in your daily life, it's not accidental. Sometimes we have, so anyway, with our manual sessions though, I mean, obviously these students came in to train. They're not with their circle of influence anymore. They're in a new place. And so we go out and they find interest in the community. And the biggest challenge we always had was you always found people who wanted Bible studies. But it was a four-month class, and it came to an end. And we would try to transition the interest from the student to somebody in the church. And that is next to impossible. And let me be very clear with you. Some, oh, that's because maybe the church member wasn't as skilled. No, to transition from a student, let's, let's take a brand new student who's never done any kind of, they're just brand new to the Adventist church. They're still learning. We've had students who've come to the Emmanuel Institute who haven't even been baptized yet. And they're going out and giving Bible studies to, tra- to try then to transition that study interest from that student to me, who's an experienced pastor, would not work. Why do you think? Because the instant they went to that door, when that person said yes, there was a connection made. And I'll tell you that if I were to have taken, say I took you know, 20 students out, if I were to take a whole different batch of 20, we probably would have gotten a whole different batch of study yeses, you know, people interests. Because people respond. There are people who will say yes to you that would never say yes to me. It's just how it works. And that's one of the most, this is one of the most dangerous mindsets in our church today that has so retarded the work 
is members thinking that, well, if I were John Bradshaw, then I could go out and... No, John Bradshaw can only reach the people John Bradshaw can reach. And there are people that you can reach that he could never reach. And we've got to understand that and we've got to embrace that. It's not about the amount of skill you have. The Lord connects us with people on that personal level. And that's what we see in Jesus' model, that personal element. And so for the church member who says, well, this is not my gift. I'm a hospitality kind of person and you're the Bible study kind of person. What they don't realize is there are people that they could reach that nobody else could reach. And if they reach somebody in their hospitality, you know, they're just, you know, they make friends in their community and with their neighbors. And they're just one of those warm, bubbly people. They're like, I'll never give a Bible study. The problem is now you have all these friends you made that you can't pass off to somebody else because nobody else is going to, they're not going to study with anybody else. They're going to study with you because you're the one that made the friendship. Now, I want you to notice this statement from Christ's Object Lessons. Now, this is incredible here. P page 57, I think this is the parable of sower chapter. Ellen White says, the sowers of the seed have a work to do in what? Preparing, Preparing hearts to receive the gospel. Now, I want you to understand this. Incidentally, I didn't make the point yet, and I should have. When you look at Christ's method, a visual illustration of that is the growth cycle. You ever see the growth cycle where you got the agricultural cycle that starts with preparing the soil for the seed. And then the next phase is planting the seed. And then the next phase is cultivating the plant. And then the next phase is harvesting. And finally, you preserve that harvest. That growth cycle is Christ's method. You can superimpose it right there. That's what Jesus was doing in ministering to people's needs. He was preparing the soil of the heart for the seed. So the, the person who's the one building friendships, the hospitality, all that, that's the preparing of the heart. But notice who is doing the work here. Is there a different person preparing the heart and then somebody else sowing the seed? No, I'm not saying that doesn't happen. I mean, Scripture says that happened, that Paul in some places would, would plant and Apollos would water. I mean, there are people that you influence and then they move to another place and God brings somebody else. But in this particular context, it's telling us that the one who's planting the seed is the same one who prepares the heart. And the one who prepares the heart is the same one who sows the seed. One naturally follows the other because you're the one winning the confidence. Does that make sense? She says in the ministry of the word, there is too much sermonizing and too little of real heart to heart work. There is need of what kind of labor? Personal, Personal labor for the souls of the lost. And it's the same person who is personally laboring, who is making the friendship. That's part of personal labor. You don't separate. So when we talk about personal ministries, we're not just talking about giving Bible studies. So I mentioned that yesterday. I've had people come to me. I've had church members come to me. I've had leaders. Cameron and I had a leader come recently and say, you know, you guys are worried about giving Bible studies all the time. We really need to, what we really need to be focusing is on is, on, is meeting the people where they're at. And meeting their needs. I say, amen. amen. But for what purpose? <laughs> Ultimately, I'm trying to do that to get into a place where I've won their confidence to share with them eternal truth. It's the same person. This is the part of the process, Christ's process of winning people. In Christ-like sympathy, she continues, we should come close to men individually. And notice, seek to, what does that tell us about their interest level? 
Okay, these are the people in my circle of influence. Let me ask you, do you have people, when I say circle of influence, again, I'm gonna say it just so we're clear, we know what we're talking about. These are the people in your neighborhood, people who you live next to, people you work next to, people you have some kind of acquaintance with, okay? This is your circle, your family, right? Absolutely. Are the people, all the people in your circle of influence interested in spiritual things? Of course not. So why bother, right? No, we are to seek through Christ-like sympathy. We're to come close to them. Okay, this is that, another way of talking about building that friendship, meeting their needs, showing we care. And why are we doing that? To seek to awaken their interest in the great things of eternal life. That should always be the purpose of the Christian. I may mingle with a person and never say a thing about in a particular conversation about God and the Bible. And yet that's on my mind. Do you understand what I'm saying? In other words, sometimes when I've taught, when I've taught these classes and people say, oh, so you're saying in every conversation with my family members and friends, I should be bringing up some Bible thing. No, I didn't say that. But that should be in your plan. That should be part of the objective. It should be part of the strategy, if you will. It was part of Christ's strategy. And you're seeking some avenue, some way to awaken the interest in the great things of eternal life. Their hearts may be as hard as the beaten highway. You have people in your circle of influence like that? Their hearts may be as hard. And apparently, I love the word apparently, and I've highlighted it. Apparently, it may be a useless effort to present the Savior to them. Anybody in your circle of influence like that? That person is never going to believe anything. What does the Bible say? In the morning, sow your seed, and in the evening, do not withhold your hand, because you do not know which will prosper, either this or that, or whether both alike will be good. You just do your part and trust the Lord. It may be apparently a useless effort, but while logic may fail to move, and argument be powerless to convince, the love of Christ revealed in what kind of ministry? Personal ministry. This is you as a person. Coming close and being helpful and being friendly and seeking to meet those needs revealed in personal ministry may soften the stony heart so that the seed of truth can take root. Powerful statement. So again, notice that the one who sows the seed is the somewhat same person who is preparing the heart. When ministering to a person's physical needs, it develops in the one connected to Christ a burden for that person's soul. I don't understand a Christian who can say, well, I just minister to people's physical needs and how when you come close to somebody and you're building that friendship and you're starting to, to, to become friends with that person, I don't understand how something in you doesn't want them to have eternal life. Amen. That somehow would compel you to just, mm, I've just got to say, like, I mean, I watch, I watch members do it with anything else. Oh, there's a shoe sale. I got to tell my friend. I can't believe this. They're half price. They've got to know this. But I know about eternal life. It's like, no, that's not me. <laughs> uh, whatever it is, we tell people what we're excited about. Yeah. We need to get more excited about Jesus. Amen. And so <clears throat> look at this statement here. This is incredible. In the book, Education, in that chapter, The Life Work, my brother here said he picked up the book Education yesterday because he wanted to see that chapter, the life work that I talked about yesterday. If you haven't read it, Education chapter 31, the life work. In that chapter, one of the things she says, there are a lot of gems in there. Notice it says, it is acquaintance that what? 
awakens sympathy. Now let's just pause there. It's hard to be sympathetic with a person you don't know anything about. You don't know what they're going through, right? But how many of you, even I've seen this happen in churches. In fact, let me tell you a little story. Let me see where our time is. I did a witnessing training in one of my churches. How many of you remember Pastor Lauren Nelson? Elder Nelson passed away this past year from, from COVID. Um, he has a place in the kingdom, I'll tell you. The man was a soul winner. And he, had a, he put together a lay ministry, you know, soul winning training guide. And we did it. And it was like a 12-week thing. And we did it in uh, one of the churches I pastored. And part of the project, part of his, his strategy was to take the church members. He said, pick out church members who, who are passionate for souls and don't go to everybody in the church. Handpick some people and, and, and tr then begin to train them. And what you're going to do is as you begin to train them in some of the basics, just how to make spiritual conversations and how to transition to spiritual things, practice on the other church members. You know, so that way you're not going out and knocking on the door of some stranger. We're going to go to other church members. And so we arranged that. We had a group of, of folks and, you know, they were Sabbath afternoon. We did training. And one of the first things we taught them how to do was to share their personal testimony, how they came to Christ. And then we arranged for them to go to the church members who weren't doing the training and share their testimony. And I'll tell you what was so amazing about that was, first of all, a lot of church members really don't know each other very well. Happy Sabbath. Hey, brother. Hey, sister. Like that. You don't know that person. In fact, you know what happens in church. It's like, hey, how's it going? Good. Right. I'm going by. Yeah. Don't say good. Okay. You say you say, well, actually, you ever have that happen? <laughs> like, hey, how's it going? Now, most people say, oh, it's going OK, because it's how we do. But somebody having a bad day and they're like, actually, and then in your mind, you're like, oh, I hadn't planned for this. I was just giving that social greeting. I didn't plan. And now they're going to try to open up to me. Yeah. <laughs> it just doesn't happen often. And so what would happen is as these church members would go in and give their testimonies, first of all, the other church member learned something about this church member they never knew. Right. And what would often happen is it would prompt the other church member to give their testimony back. And what I noticed in that church is that people began to know each other different. And you know what happens when you begin to understand where a person's coming from? It awakens sympathy. There was a whole different attitude among the church members because they started to know each other as people. <laughs> and people with the same struggles as they had. It is an acquaintance that awakens sympathy. That's just, that's a rule of life. And so when we get involved with getting acquainted with people, and meeting their needs. This is why I was saying I don't understand how you can get involved with meeting a person's needs and then not care enough to tell them about the Lord. And the rest of the statement, it is acquaintance that awakens sympathy. And notice, sympathy is the what? The spring of effective ministry. Jesus sympathized with the people he ministered to. And if the whole idea, again, is if I'm getting acquainted and that is the spring into ministry. How can I just cut that off? There's no, I'm getting acquainted, but I'm not doing ministry. The acquaintance is the spring into ministry. Are you following what I'm saying? Now, I, let me just say this. This is about the time where some people, it starts to dawn on them that, wow, I'm really expected by the Lord to do more than just be friendly to people. Yes. And then they start to get a little nervous and overwhelmed. Let me just say that 
the Lord will never leave you alone to minister for him. But if you're sitting here and thinking, wow, there I need to do more ministering beyond just making friends with people. I need to find ways to introduce them to Jesus. Look, the Lord is already ahead of you on that. He's preparing the way. We see it all through. Oh, time doesn't permit me to tell you all the stories. Through. One of my favorite stories is the story of Rahab, right? The, the, the spies go into Canaan. They can't, we can't take Canaan. It's too big. There's too many giants and it will never make it. They're, they're going to defeat us. We're like grasshoppers in their sight, right? So they don't go in. Faithless report. God makes them wander around in the wilderness for 40 years. Comes time to go in again. A couple of the men come across Rahab. And if you read what Rahab says, she says, in essence, you know, 40 years ago when you guys spied out the land, we were terrified because we knew. We heard of your God and parting of the Red Sea, and we were just figuring we were, we were going to get wiped out. In other words, the Israelites were so scared because of the giants, and here the Canaanites are like, we already knew we were as good as defeated. Because God had already prepared the way. And I want to tell you, there's all kinds of people in our circle of influence, and the Lord's prepared the way, but we're just afraid. Because the giants are too big in our mind. We've got to get past that. The Lord has prepared the way for us. And you're not here by accident in this seminar. God has people in your circle of influence that he wants you to reach for him. Now, I want to take another look at the statement in ministry of healing. Christ's method alone, it continues. Oftentimes we see that one that one paragraph, you know, Christ ministered to people, you know, ministered to their needs, showed his sympathy, won their confidence, etc. Next paragraph says there is need of coming what? Close. Close to the people by personal effort. If less time were spent, more time were spent, I'm sorry, if less time were spent given to sermonizing and more time were spent in personal ministry, what? Greater, Greater results would be seen. The poor are to be relieved. The sick cared for. The sorrowing and bereaved comforted, the ignorant instructed. Now I want you to notice the blend here. Now you've, at first you've got this Christian help work, we would call it. Helping the poor, the sick, the sorrowing and bereaved, those who've lost loved ones. And then the ignorant instructed. Instructed in what? In the truth. I mean, there are people that are longing to know the truth. They don't know where to go for it. I read a story. I've got to be careful with my stories and my time, but I was reading a little book by J.N. Loughborough. Anybody know the name Loughborough? One of our Adventist pioneers. A little book called Miracles in My Life. Oh, it's an incredible. It's a little book. If you can find it somewhere. I haven't been to the ABC. You can check over there, the, the Cedar Reader, whatever. But he just basically gives the story of his ministry. And, and basically, I mean, Loughborough went from place to place. They'd pitch a tent, hold a meeting, and talked about, you know, just in a, in a brand new place, winning new converts. So there's one place they went to where the priests got together and the ministers, if I have it right, and they published an article on the front page of the paper about these Adventists who are holding these meetings and said, these guys are deceivers. And they're going to oh, they're just going to do all they're going to do is deceive you and try to sell you their books on Daniel and Revelation. And of course, you know, it had an effect where some people listened to that and wouldn't come out. But then Loughborough gets a letter from a man. And he says, I've been studying the Bible. I've read the books of Daniel and Revelation. I can't make heads or tails of it. And I understand you're, you have books on them. <laughs> 
I want some of those books. I want all the books. He wanted all the books they had on Daniel. So Loughborough sends him the books. They begin a correspondence to the point where then this man travels. He was over 100 miles away, and this is in the days of horse and buggy, but he travels where he hears their meetings are going to be when they come closer to where he is, and he goes through the series, and he gets baptized. He begins to help them in the work and then decides to become a minister of the Adventist message and as a missionary goes over to preach these messages elsewhere. All because despite the article that was totally negative, yet he had such a desire to know the truth. He didn't care what the article said. He's like, look, these guys have answers. I haven't heard good answers anywhere else. I need answers. And he ordered the books. People need to be instructed. The ignorant need to be instructed. The inexperienced counseled. We are to weep with those that weep and rejoice with those that rejoice. Notice, accompanied by the power of persuasion, the power of prayer, the power of the love of God, this work will not, cannot be without fruit. You cannot minister to somebody's needs by the grace of God with a desire to introduce Christ to them and have it be without fruit. God will not let it be without fruit. Amen. That's just an amazing statement. And it starts by just being personal and caring with people. There is a power to personal ministry that we don't see anywhere else. Now, I want to tell you folks that if there's anything we should have learned in this pandemic... It's the importance of being in person. People are, you start to see, I see it at this camp meeting. People are so thrilled to be out. Like last camp meeting, we met in person, but it's still kind of a little bit. This camp meeting, people are feeling like it's camp meeting again. And I'm out and I'm with real people. I'm not on a Zoom call. I don't know how many of you work in your work setting with Zoom calls. I can't stand Zoom calls. Sorry, Ben. Ben's an IT guy. I mean, that's, that's what he does. And, and granted, Zoom calls have made certain things possible, but man, I like being in person. There's something about being in person. But, but, but of course, now I'm talking on a group setting, but just in a social setting. There's a power in being in person that is in nothing else. And thus, you know, this is why this personal ministry, that's why it's the most powerful ministry. Personal ministry is always going to be greater than that which can be done by the church. We, we think that the, the polished preacher preaching from the, you know, a John Bradshaw, he's going to be able to do a lot more than I can. I'm just, I'm not as eloquent and I don't know as much and he's more skilled and has more experience. But if the approach is from a personal ministry standpoint, it's always going to be more effective. I'm going to show you that in a minute. I want to share with you just some statements on personal ministry because we're talking about the power of personal ministry here. Christ's Object Lessons 229 says, The Lord desires that his word of grace shall be brought to home to who? Every soul. Brought home to every soul. That's not going to be accomplished just by church work. It's not going to be accomplished for my neighbors who don't go to my church or maybe any church by coming to church. To a great degree. This must be accomplished by personal labor and what? This was Christ's method. Just another way of saying that Christ's method, if you wanted to boil it down, well, what was that? The mingling and the, and the showing sympathy and the ministering and what was it? It was personal labor for souls. Gospel Workers, page 193 says, To all who are working with Christ, I would say, wherever you can what? Gain access to the people, 
by the fireside. What does that mean? Now you gotta think of the setting and the time this was written in, by the fireside. Look, honestly, today we'd probably say by the TV set. Oh, yeah. Isn't it true? Yeah. But look, that's where people, that's where they are personally. Now this is, this is talking about not in church from a distance. This is where the people live. Coming close, where, wherever you can find access to them in a personal way. You think about it yourself. You don't just invite anybody over to your house. For most of us, it takes a little bit before somebody comes into the house because you reach a whole different level in the house, even as a pastor. I'll tell you that over the years, pastoral ministry has changed dramatically. It used to be very easy for me to go and visit a member in the home. It's members. I'm not talking about strangers. Now it's even hard to visit a member in the home. You know, you say, hey, I'd like to meet with you. And yeah, well, I can come to church early. Yeah. <laughs> Getting in the home takes it to a different level. Yeah. So she says, wherever we can find, act, gain access to the people by the fireside, improve your opportunity. Take your Bible and open before them its great truths. Notice this. Your success will not depend so much on your knowledge and accomplishments. What are we always worrying about? How much we know or how much we've experience we have. I don't have much experience. I don't, I don't know that much. Guess what? It doesn't matter because your success does not depend so much on your knowledge and accomplishments as upon your ability to find your way to the heart. Just show them that you care. Amen. By being social and coming close to the people, you may turn the current of their thoughts more readily than by John Bradshaw's sermons at camp meeting. Right? Isn't that what it says? The most able discourse. Sermon. Right? The presentation of Christ in the family, by the fireside, and in small gatherings in private houses is often more successful in winning souls to Jesus than are sermons delivered in the open air to the moving throng and even or even in halls and churches. And again, you put the setting in, in her day, open air. I mean, that's when you had the big masses of people and the big preachers. But the presentation of Christ is often more successful in those personal, private settings than those big public locations. Well, who's the preacher in those little private settings? That's you and me, right? Here's another one. Testimonies for the Church, Volume 9, page 41, by personal labor. What kind of labor? Personal labor, reach those around you, becoming acquainted with them. Preaching will not do the work that needs to be done. Angels of God attend you to the dwellings of those you visit. So if there's any little bit of nervousness left, look, the angels are going with you. You've got nothing to fear. This work cannot be done by proxy. That means I can't have somebody else do it. I can't be the hospitality person and say, well, let somebody else to church. They're more skilled than I am. Can't be done by proxy. You can't vote somebody else to do it in your place. By visiting the people, talking, praying, sympathizing with them, you will win hearts. This is the what? The highest missionary work that you can do. And I told you earlier, and I'm going to expound on this Friday with BSO more, that this this is, not the, this is not a quick process. This is the slower process because I'm, these are people I know and I'm being deliberate and taking pains to make those friendships and build those things. And it may take time, but I have confidence that the Lord's going to open up opportunities. It's the greatest missionary work that we can do.
Evangelism, page 436. The Lord desires that the truth shall come close to the people. And this can be accomplished only by personal labor. Let God's workers teach the truth in families drawing close to those for whom they labor. Check this one out. Testimony 6, page 428. One of the most effective ways in which light can be communicated is by private personal effort. In the home circle, at your neighbor's fireside, at the bedside of the sick, in a quiet way, you may read the scriptures and speak a word for Jesus and the truth. Thus, or in this way, you may sow precious seed that will spring up and bring forth fruit. I have a million of these, and I'm not sharing with you a million of them, but I'm just wanting you to understand this is a recurring theme. Personal labor is the highest missionary work, the most effective way we have of reaching people. As soon as a new field is entered, and let me pass that one up and go to this one. It is not preaching that is most important. It is house-to-house -house work. Notice how she breaks that down, reasoning from the word, explaining the word. That's how she describes house-to-house -house work. Sometimes we confuse house-to-house -house work with door-to-door -door work. Because when you say door-to-door, -door, that's what we often call cold calling. I'm knocking on the door of somebody I never met. House-to-house -house work is more going to the homes of people I have met, people I know, my neighbors, and those people I'm building friendships with. You understand what I'm saying? I'm not saying the other is ruled out, but... Uh, similarly, by doing what kind of work? House to house work, comma, by giving Bible readings in families. The worker may gain access to many who are seeking for the truth. As I said, there are many such statements. Now, why am I sharing all of this? Well, obviously, first and foremost, I want you to understand that personal ministry is a ministry we can all do. And when I say we all, I'm not just talking about you because you're perhaps leaders in your churches. I'm talking about all of our members, with exception. I mean, obviously there are exceptions to this, but for the most part, most members can make friends with people and try to find those avenues. And listen, the friendship, when you make friends with somebody and win their confidence, you don't have to be eloquent in all your things. You don't have to have all the answers. You share your, the faith that you're, because you've won their confidence, people are more open to receiving what you have, and the Lord will direct that, as we're told, the angels go with us. So that personal ministry is something that, would, if we would embrace that, what would it do to our churches? I mean, if every member became an active minister in that capacity, and we realized, I don't have to be some theological genius, I can just go out and be myself and be, make friends, and, and, and be, you know, openly Christian while I do it. That doesn't mean preaching a sermon, but I told a guy, I had a church member tell me recently, and it just really struck me. I got off the phone with him, and I said, okay, well, thanks for helping me. God bless. And the next time I saw him and talk, or talked to him on the phone, he said, you know, I was thinking about it last time we talked. Now, it was a former member of mine. Uh, he's still in the Adventist church. I just okay, moved. Yeah. But he said, I was really thinking about that. I, I was impressed the way you said, God bless you, when you got off the phone. I I, I could do something like that. I never even think of doing something like that. Well, when he told me that, I don't think about when I do it. But the point is, I'm not preaching a sermon to somebody, but they know I be, I'm a believer, and they're just different things we say and do. Don't, be openly Christian when you go about, and then as you're making those friendships with people, they're going to know you're a Christian. You don't have to preach to them. You're already preaching to them by being the Christian. And when the Holy Spirit prompts them and they want more questions, more answers to their questions, you know who they're going to go to? 
The person they knows they know might have the answers, that Christian person. Now, so personal ministry, the most powerful ministry we can do. What does this have to do with BSO? When it comes to BibleStudyOffer.com, and we'll, we'll flesh this out a lot more when we get into the, the walkthrough of the process, but those of you who have worked with BibleStudyOffer.com, I'm going to tell you that one of the biggest, even dare I say, complaints we have is that when people go to follow up on an interest, we got an interest from BibleStudyOffer.com, somebody wants Bible studies. You take the material to their home, and they say, oh, I thought this was going to come from the mail. I thought they were going to mail this to me. And then the church members feel all awkward and, eh, and I wish we, why didn't we just mail it? And, and I get these questions, two main questions. Number one, why doesn't it say more clearly on the website that the lessons will be delivered in person instead of by the mail? Let, just let them know that up front. Why do I have to go there and have to endure this? That's <laughs> what they're saying. And this awkwardness or something like this. Why can't we just mail the lessons out? So I'm going to answer that in conclusion with three responses. Number one, we have updated the wording on the website a little bit. There was some room for that. And so here is what, in fact, we're still working on this. And Cameron just stepped up. He's, he's stepping back because I, uh, oh, let me say this before I show you the wording on the website. The key distinction between BibleStudyOffer.com, you know, Amazing Facts has a Bible school. It is written has a Bible school. Discover has a Bible school. But BibleStudyOffer.com is the only one where the first point of contact is personal. With everything we just read from inspiration about the power of personal ministry, that personal contact. Listen, when I go to a door and say, so, well, I'll get to that in a minute. I want you to keep that in mind. Now, on the website... I didn't put them on the screen. That's my problem. <clears throat> Here's what it says on the homepage. We believe God's word is for everyone. We're committed to delivering all of our studies to you for free. Now, we are not finalized with this yet. Cameron, we had talked at one point and changing that to saying to your door for free. Now, it still doesn't say somebody's going to be at your door, but let's keep something clear. We are living in the day of Instacart and DoorDash and Amazon. People are used to having stuff delivered to their door. Okay? So that's one, that we want to keep that distinction with BibleStudyOffer.com, that the first point of contact is personal. Because here's the second point. Once you make the contact, you can give them the studies any way you want. Right? So say Jane requested some Bible studies. And I go and I take the Bible study offer studies and she says, oh, I thought these were coming from uh, through the mail. I can say right there, oh, well, listen, Jane, I'd be glad to mail them if you prefer them that way. I, I remember a member of mine who, because you have a DVD option with some of the studies, she, she used to go to homes long before BibleStudyOffer.com. Janice actually, Joyce and, and um, her husband, Jerry, and I had studied with Janice years ago. But Joyce would go to the homes with these, these Bible studies, and the person said, well, I thought... Because it would, they, she still used the uh, something wonderful card. So people would mail this card in and then she'd show up at the house. Like, I thought they were coming in the mail. And she said, well, I could send them by the mail, but if I, if I come in person, I can leave this great DVD with you. <laughs> I can't do that by the mail, she said. And they're like, oh, I want the DVD. And so she had these personal contacts. That's how she played it. But the point is, once you get to the door, 
if Jane had wanted the studies and I got to the door, I got to talking to her and she said, I'd be, feel better if I had them mailed. I'll mail them, but I had a personal contact. Mm -hmm. And that personal contact is invaluable. I'll mail several studies and then maybe after study number, before I get to the Sabbath study, I'll visit her and I'll say, hey, I just wanted to drop in and say, see how you've been enjoying the studies. Well, she's not shocked by that because I'm the guy that came the first time. Yeah, yeah. And I honored a request to mail him, but I've got a personal connection already. And to me, that is the, that, you know, if somebody wants a different study that doesn't have a personal connection, let them order Discover Bible School. Okay? Most people, though, once you get to that door and make that personal contact, if you want to go a different route, you want to do a Zoom study with them, you want to do something else, you're able to do that. But the first point of contact with BSO is personal. And that's the most effective avenue we have. And so we have that distinction with the other Bible schools. Oh, now on the current study options, we've changed. You know, we used to have the, on the Bible study options, you had one was called a personal study. One was a group study. What was the third option? It was confusing. And we knew it was confusing from the get-go. It was somebody in administration at the time said, no, I want to call that a personal study. But personal study meant was the personal study with it was confusing like the one it sounded like a one-on-one -on -one, but it wasn't one-on-one -on -one. it was you study one in fact one-on-one I think was one of the anyway we're down to two options this is what you find when a person orders the Bible study offers uh, studies they've got two options number one study on my own receive a new lesson each week to fill out on your own just you and your Bible you got this that's what it says on the website option number two study with a coach Coach is a big word today for people doing the different kind of things and like, hey, and now you know this is with a person. Study with a coach. Benefit from personal instruction by an experienced study leader. You can study the weekly lesson in person or via phone, text, or video chat. Okay? So you have those different options. Those are the only two options. Now when it comes, we're going to, we're in, in Bible study offering, you're going to hear more about this because I'm out of time already. We're going to also be offering... So let me just say this. We've gone from the It Is Written lessons and the Landmarks of Prophecy lessons to headings. So instead of offering It Is Written, we offer um, topical studies. A person can use topical studies. Now, we are still going to be providing through BSO the materials through It Is Written and the Landmark studies. But we've had some churches who say, we've got a whole pile of Discover lessons here. What are we going to do with them? We want to use this other series. So if you want to substitute another Bible study set, it gives you the opportunity of doing that. So we've still got those two series, but we're giving them the topical prophecy or children's. And we've partnered with It Is Written to use Melissa Bradshaw's um, My Place With Jesus studies. And a church may have their own children's studies they can use too. But with a children's study, we're not offering the study with a study coach because it would just be, I think, creepy for most people. Like, right. here's a stranger going to come and study with my kid. So what it says for the children's study is, designed for ages 7 to 12, these lessons enable kids to study on their own or with the help of a parent, guardian, or trusted adult. So they can work that out themselves. It's a little bit of a variation. But again, the idea is that we want to maintain that contact, that personal contact, and we're going to flesh out um, a little bit more through the week how you work through that, but why that's so important. I really think, um, there's, well, there's two pieces to this. 
I think a lot of church members, because they, of, of, maybe they haven't been trained clearly and there's a little feeling of awkwardness when they go and the person's like, well, I thought it was going to come this way, that they may have lost interest by their awkward responses that they could have maintained if they just knew how to work that personal point of contact. And I really think so because I really believe that personal point of contact in the end is going to give us better results if we work it correctly. So that we'll be talking more about how to do that more specifically on Friday, but I want to end up with this quote again that we looked at um, earlier on, Minister of Healing 143 in that Christ method context. On the same page, in fact, there is need of coming close to the people by personal effort, accompanied by the power of persuasion, the power of prayer, the power of the love of God. This work will not, cannot be without fruit. The Lord is going to bring us fruit for our labors as we trust in him. Amen. Amen. Pray with me. Father in heaven, we are again thankful that you have privileged us to be able to be co-laborers with Christ, that you've promised that the angels of God go with us when we are trying to build those friendships with our neighbors and co-workers and family members, when we're looking for those avenues to share spiritual truth. And Lord, I pray that we would be open to your leading and that you would help us to know how to lead and feed wisely as we're seeking to be witnesses for Christ. Put a love for souls in our hearts, Lord, that will minister in the most self-sacrificing ways with the most menial tasks, if need be, as we seek to win the confidence of people so that we can share Christ with them and eternity. Thank you for hearing and answering our prayer. We do pray for your blessing throughout the remainder of the day on all the different seminars and speakers and Lord, bless our ears that we would hear what your spirit has to say to us. We ask and pray all these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Amen. To listen to more of these presentations, you may visit the audio archives at misda.org slash audio 22 or search for Michigan Conference Camp Meeting wherever you get your podcasts.